Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here we go. Jackson for his tight end, brought in by Mark Andrews, who escapes and goes all the way for the touchdown. Intercepted, picked up by Thomas. Earl Thomas with a foot race. Brown won't get him. That will be six. Running a little option. Jackson keeps. Jackson breaks the tackle. He's right to the pylon, and it's a touchdown. Hello and welcome to another episode of Pod Like a Raven. Brought it back down, minimal levels, no Ravens game, nothing to scream about, nothing to be extremely bummed out about. So we're back to zero. The Ravens on a bye. Some other NFL teams played and, and, and had some games that we'll be discussing in a second. But first, let me intro my, my two co-hosts here. Sitting to my right, Tim Horsey. Tim I want to ask how you're feeling, but there's there's no Ravens game, so just how are you doing outside of the Ravens? I'll tell you what, in, in most Ravens seasons, that means I'd be doing a whole lot better. This season, it means I'm doing worse. But I tell you what, being able to sit on my couch and watch four very good, in my opinion, playoff games, um, there's some hilarity that ensued in some of them with some, some maddening decisions, which I'm sure we'll get to. Uh, I, I'm doing great, my friend. I love the NFL playoffs. It has been bizarre how badly I wanted to watch a Ravens game this weekend uh, when there wasn't one, even though it was a good thing that there was no Ravens game because they were the number one seed in the AFC. Let's go to the West Coast. Jay Sevens, how are you feeling? How are you doing over there? Doing great, Antonio. Um, it was a very strange, very funny and outright funny uh, at times uh, weekend in uh, the NFL wildcard round. Um Certainly, I think the most eventful wild card round we've had in quite a number of years. Um, 
So I had a great weekend. It was great. I actually was uh, had a kind of rare Sunday off. So just uh, joined the rest of the masses and just didn't leave the couch for eight hours. Got a chicken parm sandwich delivered to me while I watched the Eagles. It was great. It was a delightful day all the way around. I was at work work recording on on Monday here and I got the classic question. You know, how was your weekend? I said, good. And they said, oh, what did you do? And I sort of hesitated because it was me sitting on a couch for about 12 hours. Uh, So I just sort of said sports and changed the conversation. Watched football. Also, by the way, Jace, next weekend, I'm going to need a food order of what you got for the Ravens game delivered to your front door. Just we'll make a note. I want to know what you got. So It might might be a pizza day. We'll have to play by ear. (laughs) There's no Ravens game to recap this week. So in terms of just how we're going to run through the show, we're going to go through these four playoff games that, that we watched over the weekend uh, and then preview the, the Ravens matchup against the Tennessee Titans a bit later on in the show and then discuss the other NFL games going on of much of much uh, less importance. But let's get into last weekend's games first. First game I want to talk about the Buffalo Bills at the Houston Texans. Texans win 22-19, your classic football score in overtime. <laughs> In a weird game, in a bad game, in a way, a great game in terms of entertainment value. Some terrible coaching, some terrible plays, some terrible announcing, and yet the game was uh, kind of a good time. This game was wild. I mean, <laughs> the, it was it was the best way to kick off the wild card weekend because I knew I was sitting through all these games. And admittedly, to start the weekend on Saturday, when you pop on this first one and you got Tessator and Booger, you're like, man... This could go really badly. This could be a bunch of blowouts and we could just be sitting here and it's not going to be that fun to talk about on Pod Like a Raven when we record. But I tell you what, we started off with a bang. Josh Allen's out here trying to lateral to nobody, throwing bombs to fullbacks. I mean, it had everything. Deshaun Watson playing Houdini. The Houston Houdini making a fantastic Lamar Jackson-like play, if I do say so myself. Maddening coaching decisions and Booger drawing some not-safe-for-work things on the Telestrator. I mean, th- th- this game had everything. It was absolutely incredible. Yeah, for me, the highlight was really Josh Allen. Just everything he touched uh, in this game turned to gold for me personally. He starts it off just getting upended, running a basically a pseudo version of a Philly special type play, throwback to the quarterback, uh, and he uh, just you know flips up into the end zone. Great start. Tim, you mentioned the overtime pass into double coverage to a fullback who mistimed the jump. Great stuff. <laughs> he didn't uh, mistime the, ju- <laughs> the jump, Jason. That was just fullback hops, okay? He's right, not a yeah. wide receiver. It, it was a throwing to a fullback in double coverage, so, you know, I kind of get what you pay for there, I guess. Um, and then uh, the lateral to no one. We have to go into the – well – I forget the exact order. Was the lateral before he took a consecutive grounding pedal, a pr- grounding penalty, and then a 30 yard sack on fourth down? Yes. <laughs> that was also a personal favorite of mine. <laughs> um, but he he just panicked, I think, in that fourth quarter, and it made the game really exciting. I mean, all the credit to Deshaun Watson. He was fantastic, I thought, in this game. Um, but for me, the highlight was Josh Allen. You know, he's he runs for 30 yards and then loses 10 because he's just like, gotta get this ball out of bounds. Just throws it backwards. It was insane. I have the whole time I was laughing. It was sensational stuff. <laughs> Jace, you mentioned 
Josh Allen sort of losing his composure. It was, I mean, like a game of two halves. In the first half, this second-year quarterback making his first playoff start did pretty well, considering it was a hostile environment against a better team. Uh, was holding his own. They opened up to what eventually became what a sixteen to nothing lead. Uh, Watson looked bad in the first half. Another case where he holds the ball way too long. You don't really know what they're doing, and they're sloppy. Uh, the crowd was out of it. Just the cl- classic Texans Saturday afternoon. Uh, and then in the second half, it, you know, Watson sort of flips the switch, starts making plays. And at the same time, uh, Josh Allen just sort of loses composure. It, it starts making mistakes. You can see his face. He looks visibly like nervous and flushed as the game got tighter and tighter. And then those... those and just that lateral was just such a case of like, you can tell what happened on that play. He runs for 20 yards, but he doesn't get out of bounds. And he's thinking, oh, we don't have any timeouts. I got to kill this clock. But instead of just like, you know, realizing like I gained 20, 30 yards, like just got to get everyone up to the line real quick and spike it. Yeah, we'll lose 10 seconds, maybe. But that's not the worst thing. We only need a field goal. And we just got 30 yards on a really great play by him. But he was like, I got to get out of bounds. And he just like panicked that over that idea seemed to override everything. And he just tries to throw it to Dawson Knox, who was clearly not anticipating his quarterback lateraling, lateraling in that situation. And he's just lucky he was able to knock it out of bounds. That being said, he somehow did get them in position to kick the game winning field goal, uh, which led to overtime, which um, Tim, I believe you had uh, some qualms about a specific play in overtime of this game, uh, the Cody Ford um, blindside block um, in the extra session that could have, you know, the argument can be made. It took the Bills out of a chance to kick a potential game winning field goal. So, yeah, I just hate when guys get penalized for playing football. And that's what he was doing. He was trying to protect his quarterback. It was not a blindside block. Chris Long on Twitter, who, by the way, if you don't listen to the Rosillo and Chris Long podcast every Monday, I highly recommend it. He had some thoughts about Carson Wentz and some of the people going after him. A game we'll get to later that is must listen to podcast. Not trying to promote one that really doesn't need promotion on this <laughs> particular podcast. But um, yeah, the, the the Cody four blinds, blindside block thing. And apparently it's just this. Oh, this is a new rule they've established in the NFL. And it happened twice this weekend. And I haven't seen it happen at all in the NFL. At least not to my recollection. It just... It's not even blindside blocks like the guy could see him coming and he didn't even really light him up. But then they called the 15 yard penalty, which effectively ended the game for the Bills. I thought that was weird. Anyway, outside of that. A couple thoughts real quickly. Uh, TJ Watt had more mic'd up appearances than tackles, uh, although and most of them featured just, quote, let's go, let's go, let's go. Thanks, JJ. Appreciate that, man. Um he made a massive sack, and trust me, if you didn't know it was a massive sack, Tessator told you about 1,600 times <laughs> that it was a massive sack. It did kind of turn the tide of the game. But the way I looked at this game the entire time was, who do I want the Ravens to play more? Because I thought, and a game we'll get to in just a second, that New England was going to beat the Tennessee Titans, which they did not, spoiler alert, if, you did, if you've been living under a rock. And the whole time I was going back and forth, going back and forth, going back and forth. And I wanted them to play the Texans. Obviously, the first half. Texans look horrible. It's like, bring on the Texans. I hope they come back and win this. This would be great. Deshaun Watson looks 
phenomenal in the second half. Comes all the way back. The Houdini play on third down, which effectively won them that game, was was ridiculous. But even with that, I was kind of glad that Houston won at the very end. Because I think the Bills' defense really showed up, um, you know, especially in the first half, as we talked about. Tredavious White really locked down DeAndre Hopkins until about halfway through the third quarter. And then Hopkins finished with six receptions for 90 yards, which is just crazy. But in the, in the bigger scale of things, and maybe it, does, it might not even come to this for the Ravens if you're looking down the road a bit, but Houston doesn't scare me. Um, you know, we, we joke that this is Antonio's team on this podcast, and they hit the over. Good for Antonio. But they're <laughs> so hot and cold that, and we'll get to it later, I just don't really know what to expect out of them. Yeah, I mean, you know, I never predicted this team to win the Super Bowl by any means, but they looked bad considering this was their home playoff game against a team without a lot of weapons, and they just immediately fall behind and look out of their element. I had a, I mean, oh, it sounds like I'm tooting my own horn, I had different views about the, the Titans-Patriots game, so I guess I wasn't viewing this one as, as like, who I'd rather play. The Ravens beat both of these teams. Uh, I sort of expected the Texans to win this one, and the Ravens had beat them by 40 points, so I, I wasn't too concerned about even a better game from a lot of the players on the Texans, you know, they, in order to, to trim a 40 point deficit. Um, so yeah, I, I, the fact that it was a sloppy, ugly game at the end, I think I got more and more comfortable with either, <laughs> with either team <laughs> yeah. coming out. And you know what else? I didn't have a problem with either team winning because of the head coaches, of these two teams. So either head coach who had to then go into Baltimore, I would not have been concerned with whatsoever. Just some horrendous coaching decisions the last few minutes of regulation were a disaster for both teams. I started like all caps texting the two of you about how this game should have been over three different times. I have the box score uh, open here, the play-by-play, I should say. The Bills faced a fourth and 27 <laughs> with a minute and a half left and three Is that timeouts. Good? I mean, you know, you, we talk we talk about analytics on this show and how the game has changed and how you should go for it more on fourth down. I would love to know the analytics of fourth and 27 and, and being able to convert that. You I don't know if there's it. a go rate for that. Yeah. <laughs> you, you punt, you play defense, you use your three timeouts and you try to get the ball back with like a minute and 15. And then you run, you know, you run your offense and try to get a field goal. That, it was shocking. They go for it. And Allen, of course, Josh Allen in the one situation where you can't get sacked because it's fourth and 27, he gets sacked. Houston has the ball now on the Bills' side of the field, and they somehow can't run the clock out. They they run, and they go for it on fourth down. That was another situation where I thought that the Texans should have punted because at this point the Bills have zero timeouts. Punt it and make them go, you know, the, the length of the field. Said they go for it against a stout Buffalo Bills defensive line, and shocker, they don't get it, and the Bills had a chance. And guess what? Tied the game. Horrendous coaching would not have been afraid of either team playing us. And as a, as a treat, I don't get either of those two teams against the Ravens. Yeah, and I know we need to move on, and that would have made a great transition. So apologies for me for jumping in. But I'm going back to the Pod Like a Raven text thread. A, a new feature, or not a new feature, an old feature on Pod Like a Raven that I love to bring up. And I forgot about this incident where they were challenging the spot of the ball, yet the field goal unit was still out because if it was a fourth <laughs> down, they needed to kick it quickly because they didn't have any timeouts. And Antonio, in all caps, why is the punter spiking the ball? Which I actually, in the moment, kind of agreed with because I thought, hey, if if it's fourth down, you're already out there. You're ready to kick the field goal. You're not panicking. 
But there was definitely still time for that to happen, and if they needed to, they could have had. Her, they could have run another. Guess play. what? The, I know. the referee I know. comes onto the field and he slowly tells you what the result of you know the review was. That's the time you use to then pick which unit should run onto the field. I, I, sh- that happens every game. Every review that happens, somehow teams are able to put the right like you know team on the field, whether it's offense, defense, or special teams. It's just shocking, in my opinion. But I guess one of those two teams did have to win. One of them uh, did. did. Go ahead, did Chase. You have, uh, the only other thing I have from this game, did you guys have an opinion on the uh, beginning of the second half uh, kickoff? Was it a fumble fiasco? Oh, that was hilarious. Um, I, I, uh, forgot, I forgot about that. This weekend was so wild that I forgot about that. The guy caught it and made the safe signal. Which I didn't know was a thing. I just assumed that you had yeah, to, you had that's to kneel like the ball. Your get out of the way for your teammates thing. They'll hit sometimes, but I, I view uh, that as like every other situation in the NFL. If a player falls to the ground, they blow the whistle dead. He's giving himself up, kind of a situation. If a guy catches the ball in the end zone, where the entire league doesn't want kickoff returns anymore because players get injured. If a guy catches the ball and just stalls and stands there, the play's over. Like, but but I'm in a playoff game. I'm sorry. Kneel the ball down just in case the yeah. ref is going. This is a he's looking at you saying, I don't want this. I don't want this. <laughs> just kneel it and be done with it. Now, it was a horrible call by the referee and it should have well, never it should have never been a challenge or anything like that. Or it should have never been a turnover in the first place. But, right. Yeah. But why I, take I'm the fine chance with what they ended up doing with it? Of course, the Bills go on to lose the game and you have a brigade of people very mad online. But we'll get to who's more mad online here momentarily. Uh but uh, I, I was fine with it. I agree with you, Tim. If the guy just kneels the ball, we don't even think about it. <laughs> but I think it was the smart thing because, uh, yeah, you don't want to see a game decided on a weird thing like that. So. so the reason the Ravens don't have the privilege of playing the winner of this game is that uh, <laughs> another game happened. Ding on, dong, on the, the witch is dead. Witch old witch, the wicked witch. Ding dong, the wicked witch is dead. The New England Patriots fall to the Tennessee Titans. The The only thing I'm upset about from this game is that I kind of wanted the Ravens to beat the Patriots and end this reign. That's the only, the only negative for me. Titans going into Foxborough, beating the Patriots, who ended up losing their last two games of the year at home to mediocre teams. You know, we play the Titans next, so I, I guess I'll ask you guys, what did you what think of this game, and then what are you scared of coming out of Tennessee for this game? Derrick Henry is what I'm saying in parentheses, but thoughts on, on New England falling and and how legit this Titans team is? I mean, I, we said it last week when they lost to the Dolphins, and I, I'll, I'll praise you again. They're no Thank good. You. Thank you. They're no good. Their offense did not show up the entire game. They had to break out some trick plays to the point of, Tom Brady's fake screaming at his best friend, Julian Edelman, to tell him he was not in position and then run the reverse for the touchdown. And the Titans came to play. Mike Vrabel is a disciple. We talked about it last week with Brian Flores in Miami. Mike Vrabel is a disciple of the Belichick system, winning three rings, I believe, with New England. And he came in and he had a game plan. He knew what he was up against. He used all the promotional, all the material. Kyle Van Noy of the New England Patriots kept saying, oh, this is a New England revenge tour, which, by the way, after six Super Bowls, you don't get those. And then Tom (laughs) Brady tweets out this whole 
were Lions video, or if I can't remember the exact quote here, I'd have to pull up for you. But basically, a motivational video for his team to fire up Pat's Nation. Quote: It's too late to be scared. A minute video about lions in the jungle and ta- and <laughs> referencing the Titans as hyenas. Well, after the game, Mike Vrabel went into his own locker room and said, "Yes." We are the blank hyenas, and we came after you, and we are the kings of the jungle now. Um, Brady looked off. We can talk about the implications of what this means down the line later. And this vaunted defense that was supposed to be better than the 2000 Ravens uh, couldn't stop Derrick Henry. 34 carries, 182 yards, a touchdown as well. And even with Ryan Tannehill having a horrible game, 20 points was enough. To beat the New England Patriots at home, which should tell you all all you, all it needs to, I should say. Oh, four, 14, 14 points, points yeah. I was going to say, me, because me, uh, yes. no one scored in the second half of this game. And I think until uh, the very end when the Patriots tried to go all out to block a punt, they didn't. Ball rolls down to the one. Brady immediately throws a pick six, trying to throw for six yards to Mohamed Sanu. Um you know, they probably weren't going to win in that scenario anyway, having to go basically 70 yards in 16 seconds. But stranger things have happened. But it was a very funny potential cap to the dynasty. If Tom Brady's last pass as a Patriot was a pick six. Love it. You love to see it. Uh, in terms of takeaways, it really is Derrick Henry for me. Um, you know, is uh, set a uh, Titans franchise record for rushing yards in a playoff game. Uh, in this one with 182, um, and that's coming on the heels of a 200-yard game. So spinning it forward just a little bit, that's definitely, like, the concern I have. Uh, similar to when we wrote Nick Chubb eight times in our Browns preview, Derrick Henry is my concern. Uh, Ryan Tannehill did not throw for 80 yards uh, in this game. He threw for 72. So it wasn't exactly, like, the most high-flying offensive performance by the Patriots, but... I or by the Titans, but I think it reflects more on just Patriots offense was just really bad all year. And they had another bad game against a, not exactly the greatest defense in the world. Yeah. And you talk about this and, and the, the thing that I was very impressed with Tennessee is it was a very, and I, and, and you know, you make the Vrabel comparison all you want. It was a very new England type game. They made the goal line stop in the first half, which was huge. Their special teams was awesome. Brett Kern, the punter, six punts, Four of them inside the 20 with an average of 45.8 yards per punt, winning the field position battles. Then Belichick exposing a loophole early in the season against the Jets where you and you can agree or disagree whether running down the clock with I can't remember how much time was left, but there was still a decent amount of time left on the clock. And he's trying to run down this clock. Belichick does it in the regular season against the Jets. And there's videos of him. Bill Belichick not being able to hold back a laugh and a smile on the sidelines because he's figured out a new loophole in the NFL rules. And guess what Vrabel did? The exact same thing. And Belichick's losing his mind about it. They ran almost two minutes off the clock. Apparently, if you look at like the advanced stats, their win probability at that point jumped up, or excuse me, New England's decreased by like 6.7%, which late in the game is big. That's that's a huge percentage when the, when the game was that close. All these little kind of nuanced things that they did to out New England, New England, I thought was very impressive. They out New England, New England, and the thing that I commented on after this game in our in our notes was that this they also like out Ravens the Ravens kind of thing. This just seemed like a playoff game in that 08, 09, 2010. 
I could keep going. 2011, there was that whole era of young Joe Flacco where we would win games against better teams with, you know, Flacco going four of ten. That's one of my favorite box scores uh, against, against New England. <laughs> uh, the game against these very Tennessee Titans, like, you know, ten years ago where they won 13-10, where we, they just ran, we, the Ravens ran the ball consistently and made one or two throws. And Tannehill made one throw in this game, basically, and that was the touchdown pass uh, on a third and ten that gave them the lead. They had a 7-3, I believe, lead. And at that point, it was like, great, this is where we want to be. Now we're going to run our offense through Derrick Henry and make you guys throw up, you know, beat us downfield, which Tom Brady has not been able to do. I should say Tom Brady and company because his receivers are trash. Mm-hmm. Has not been able to do for the past like month and a half, seemingly outside of a couple of games against weak weak opposition. So the game worked out perfectly for the Titans. Uh, they out Patriots, the Patriots out Ravens. They, they Ravens the Ravens, not out Ravens. Because I was going to say you bring up yeah. like you bring up general examples. The last time New England lost in a wild card game. It was this in 2009. It was Ray Rice going nuts. Joe Flacco throwing for, I think, like 130 yards or something. Oh, I don't think he got that, buddy. <laughs> I mean, it was it was something minuscule and the Ravens embarrassing the Patriots in New England. And then you saw it again today. So um, I just want to say real quickly, because I feel like we should cover this because it's going to be covered to death by everybody else. I don't think Tom Brady is going anywhere. I don't think Jace. I, it would be hilarious if his and, and we should mention he, he is a free agent at the end of the season and his last first pass time being a in pick his six, career. Yes, uh, as a full on free agent. Um, I'll just say simply, I do not think he's going anywhere. I think he's back and Belichick's back. And even if they're not that great, we're still pretty nervous about them next season. Uh, I mean, that's the thing for me. I, I I agree with you, Tim. I think they're back and. I think it speaks to as much as I don't like them. I respect what they've accomplished. You know, this is their down season, right? Everyone's like, oh, the dynasty's dead. They went 12 and four this year. They went 11 and 0. Yeah, (laughs) but a bad finish to be sure. But they still like, you know how much the Bills would kill for 12 and four and a wild card loss actually at home? They haven't had done that in like 20 years. Uh, so I think it just speaks to the, the level of success that an 11th straight division title, 12 and four record is a huge disappointment for the Patriots. And I agree with you. I fully expect Tom Brady to be back. And I think they're going to win at least 11 games again next year. And we'll just be doing this again. But I dare to dream. Should say, sorry, eight. No, by the way, eight. No, and eight, then no. ten and one. And then the 12 and four. Because they, who did they lose? Who was that first loss that they had? That would be the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, oh, by 17. I believe. Yes, I think 17. Look, I'm going to embrace. I'm going to embrace debate here. Uh, I think Brady is fed up with certain aspects of this team uh i a lot of these guys who you have thought there's no way they leave there's no way they go somewhere else and then they do i kind of am leaning to the side that he goes to another team and tries to do the whole like watch me without belichick kind of thing uh get checks and throw to receivers who can actually catch like more than two or three passes in a game. Well, I think that happens two ways. And one, we should reference in this game, this comes from a SiriusXM uh, fellow employee of mine, Tom Byrne on Twitter, who works at SiriusXM NBA and the Mad Dog Sports Radio Network. Belichick, there's four different in- instances here, and we saw this throughout the weekend, where guys did not trust their quarterbacks. Punted on fourth down with over just over three minutes left. He punted on a fourth and three in 
Titans territory in the second half. There was a field goal on fourth and goal in the second quarter, and there was another punt on fourth and one in the game. Not trusting Brady to get those conversions when you usually see that. Maybe Brady's fed up with that. And another thing, too, the guy has taken pay cuts his entire career. He always restructures his deal to bring in talent, and he did it again. And guess what? They invested all that talent on the defense, and now everybody blames Brady for what just happened. He certainly slowed down, but his weapons were not great, and they were, they're not what they used to be when you think of Gronk, never replaced Gronk, or like a Randy Moss way back when, whatever it is. Maybe he goes, you know what? Now you're going to pay me. And you know what Belichick's not going to do? Is pay him. Now, maybe Kraft steps in because Robert Kraft loves Tommy Brady, but that could be the case of maybe he goes somewhere else. I want him to go somewhere else. I just think it would be hilarious. I think it would be a great narrative of where does Tom end up where he pulls the Peyton Manning at the very end of his career. But we will see. We'll discuss this plenty more as the offseason goes on. But my initial thought is that he stays. In the NFC, the other overtime game of the weekend, Minnesota Vikings winning on the road against the New Orleans Saints. None of us picked that game. We we had Saints winning and covering, which I think the line was nine points. Minnesota controlling the game. New Orleans with the late surge for, to tie it. And then the Minnesota Vikings touchdown on the first possession of overtime to just end it on the road. What did you guys think of uh, of this Vikings team? This was the, Or of the Saints team, I should say. Yeah, this was the most surprising result of the whole weekend to me. Um, you know, Patriots, that's the, probably the bigger story, but this individual game was definitely the most surprised I was by any thing that happened. Uh, good for Kirk Cousins, man. You know, he... <laughs> I'm sure we've made fun of him. Definitely, he's the butt of most jokes online. Um, he got to hit a you like that post game. Uh, unironically, I enjoyed that. Uh... That throw to uh, Thielen in overtime was simply fantastic. And really the overtime or the winner to Rudolph throw, you know, I hate fades. I'm sure most people do on the goal line. I think it's a terrible play, but this one was executed to perfection. Um, the DB did not look for the ball for whatever reason. Um, but I, the Saints, that was you go down 10 to the Vikings in the Superdome and like you look like you're. You know, they do force overtime, but I don't know this. I just did not see they were just so flat, it seemed like. And, you know, playing in there, I just don't know how you fall in a 10 point hole and, you know, Taysom Hill's out here doing things like their one of their touchdowns was their direct result of a Taysom Hill bomb, which I didn't see coming. So it was a very strange game. I, I, the whole time I was confused watching it, but good on the Vikings. I mean, I, I certainly wrote them off. They really backed into the playoffs, and they, they came to play uh, Sunday. Yeah, I, I'm looking here at the, the statistics, and hand up, it's the first time looking at the stats after the game. I'm shocked that Dalvin Cook went for under, under 100 yards because I thought he looked great. He hits the hole incredibly fast. I mean, watching Derrick Henry on Saturday and then him on Sunday is like, wow, these guys and guys that we've watched sporadically throughout the year, but not following either of those teams super intently. When you really focus in and watch every single play of a game, I thought Cook was an absolute monster uh, in this game. Again, kind of maybe slowed down a little bit, uh, but shouts out. You know where I'm going here. I'm going to the, the front seven of the Minnesota Vikings. Those guys only three sacks, but we're constantly in the face of Breeze, getting pressure. Danielle Hunter, who has had 14 and a half sacks 
back to back seasons. If, if maybe you're somebody like most of us who just follow the Ravens intently and maybe not the NFL in general, a guy who completely surprised me when I was looking some of that stuff up. Um, Anthony Barr, another linebacker, played really well. Uh, Linvel Joseph in the middle, just eating guys up. I mean, Alvin Kamara only had, uh, if you look at the rushing stats, seven carries for 21 yards, five carries for 21 yards for Latavius Murray. If you take out Taysom Hill, who had four rushes for 50 yards and kind of gimmicky stuff, and we can get to him in a second. I can't tell if I love or hate that guy. 47 yards total rushing for the New Orleans Saints. They didn't go to it too much. They probably should have gone to it more. But credit credit those guys up front on that defense uh, for the Vikings. Really went in there. And look, they went into a an incredibly tough place to play in New Orleans. Something that, that the, the famed atmosphere. And then all the whining and moaning and booing every time there's a penalty, even if it's completely legit. We get it. Shut up. You keep losing stupid games and most of them are your own fault. Shut up. And you go into that atmosphere and pull out a victory like that. I was incredibly impressed, especially with that defensive front. Tim, you hit on something and I want to say it's something that's bothering me. These fans are the worst people in the NFL. All they do... They blew a 13-point lead to Jared Goff in the NFC title game last year. You watch Jared Goff this year, he stinks, stinks, and he is not good, and they blow a 13-point lead to Jared Goff. They lose in overtime, not because Tommy Lee Lewis was interfered with and they didn't throw the flag. Yeah, it's a bad call. It stinks. You know what we don't talk about? You know what rule we don't even have? Pass interference reviews. If Drew Brees doesn't throw an interception in overtime and then to basically gift the Rams a Super Bowl trip. But these people complain all offseason about this. And then what does their team do? They lay a freaking egg against Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins. I know I just praised him. He's still Kirk Cousins. This guy's lost more big games than probably any quarterback in the league. Hasn't even won a game on Monday Night Football. He's 0-9. This guy does not show up in big games. And he was fantastic their defense had no answers drew Brees did not look great i know his final line was okay but he threw a critical pick they're driving to uh probably take the lead and he fumbles it and basically that uh they got one final chance to you know kick the field goal to force overtime but (sighs) the pass interference thing at the end of the game was not why they lost the game I I can't we play I've played NFL football for a hundred years now, and until this year, literally no one would have even thought of that being called a penalty. And now we have this review because these fans complained all offseason, and everyone's like, oh, I can't believe they didn't review it. It's like that would they'll A will literally never throw that flag in any game we've watched. We've been watching football for nearly 30 years now. They'll never throw that flag in that circumstance ever, ever. And then all these people just want that to be reviewed. They're not overturning that. And Al Rivera said as such that he said, we checked real quick, didn't rise to a level of a penalty. So we just kept the call on the field. I can't stand these fans. And they're just going to complain about this for another six months. And it's like, hey, maybe score more than 20 points against Jared Goff and Kirk Cousins. I don't know. Maybe that's a maybe that's an option in the Superdome. Yeah, I'm with you too, Jace. The other thing that you you failed, I mean, you you brought up in a way 
is now they've implemented this rule and it's done nothing except create right. <laughs> create confusion and frustration amongst the other 31 NFL fan bases. So, you know what? New Orleans just visited it recently. Great city. Great people. But get lost. I'm, oh I'm, I'm tired of them, too. Well, and then I have another just side diatribe. That's my main complaint. But these people who want the other team to have the ball like it's the NFL playoffs. We already ruined sudden death by having to make them, you know, score a touchdown. And now there's people who like we used to just be get points, kick a field goal. Game's over. Sudden death overtime. Pretty much every sport has a version of it. But now we've hit the point where people are like, oh, well, it's not fair that the Saints didn't get the ball. So what are we just what's the point? When's the game end? We might as well give everyone the Lombardi trophy at this point. Like, I don't understand. These people online just keep complaining about every little thing. And it's really frustrating on NFL Sundays. You know, I it's an imperfect system, but I, I just why would the Saints get the ball there? How does that solve anything? I hate it. I hate the complaining. I hate the Saints fans who are complaining about it today. And I'm more worked up about the pass interference, but it's just the overall complaining. I can't stand it. I know I just went sound like I'm complaining on a whole rant of what's bothering me, but I don't know. It's it was it got so frustrating and I had to put Twitter down because I was like, this is insane. I'm just getting mad reading tweets. It was terrible. So that's what's bothering me this week is just every complaint rising out of this game. So that was what's bothering Jace, a segment we do where where Jace gives us a few minutes uh, of of what's bothering him. And that was one of the best. You just top it every week. I think that was the most legitimately angry I've been over a topic. I've been stewing on this one for a while. (laughs) As a uh, just another neutral fan I agree. That's not a penalty that, you know, no. to the, the receiver in this case, a tight end and a corner. They both like lock arms with each other. And then the ball is in the air and they put and I mean, that happens every single yeah. throw where the and, ball and goes more than 10 feet up in the air. If we didn't have these the option to review it, literally no one would have even thought twice about it. They would have been like, oh, that's a game. Everyone goes home now. But you see, like, the fans going, like, it's a push-off. And then Sean Payton's just like, oh, game's not over. It's like, screw you, Sean. You suck. (laughs) Go lose some playoff games again. (laughs) Yeah, another bad, horrible coaching day from Sean Payton. Some weird calls, some really bad uh, mismanagement of the clock, which which for this super bright mind in Sean Payton I thought was weird. They, they, They went to overtime with a timeout in their pocket. Yeah. When, when they wasted they, about 40 seconds of clock and they could have taken a timeout with with Drew Brees, who might have had the best game, but is one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Go for a touchdown and maybe win that game and not even send it to overtime. I, I thought it was strange. Yeah, they screwed up around the two minute because they allowed it to get the punt off and then the punt went through the two minute warning. So they didn't stop any time on offense there. And then they had that weird runoff thing where Kamara commits a false or it was an illegal shift, which somehow becomes a false start under two minutes. Another new rule I learned in the NFL this weekend. Uh, and that leads to a 10 second runoff. Unless you 
called timeout, but they elected not to. So they took it from 21 seconds to 11 seconds, which I thought was very strange. You know, we've seen Drew Brees win these games on like last second throws. I'm like, Drew Brees could get a touchdown with 21 seconds left. Now, I know he wasn't great, but yeah, I was very confused with Sean Payton. And just these fans are just going to have a whole nother thing to complain about for 12 months. And there's like the NFL hates us. It's like, no, you guys just lose big games. That's all this is. It's <laughs> all refs are horrible for every team. I have a laundry list of complaints about the refs and Ravens games over the years, but you know, I just, you, you just have to be better because you have to accept that refs are bad in the NFL. And so yeah. you have to just remove the margin for error. Yeah. The just, Saints don't do that. Yeah. Real quickly. And, and I know we got to move on to the last game, but th- think about this lovely listener who is listening to this podcast. And thank you so much for doing so. Subscribe, like, share, give it to all your friends. What is the legacy of Drew Brees if they don't win that Super Bowl? I'm going to leave it there. We're not going to talk about it because we've got we've got other things to talk. And Jace is like, I'm ready with this answer. We'll, we'll do it later. <laughs> Maybe in the offseason when we're doing general NFL stuff. What What is the legacy of Drew Brees without that Super Bowl? Because I think it is wildly different than what it would be um, if you don't have it. Another 40-year-old free agent. Excited to see what the future holds for him. We'll talk about it. This offseason. The last NFC game was Seattle Seahawks at Philadelphia Eagles. A game that a lot of people thought was extremely tasty uh, to, to, to perhaps gamble on because the Eagles ended up as a one-point favorite playing with mostly their backups except for Carson Wentz. And then very early it became the entire backups without Carson Wentz. Uh, and the Seahawks take this one beating a Josh McCown led Philadelphia Eagles team. Seattle, very confusing team. Sometimes they look great. Sometimes they look terrible. I guess took care of business of a bad team on the road. Uh, what are what are our thoughts on on this game? Seattle's okay. very weird because I, I saw a stat. And apologies, I don't. I have I have the general correctness. I, it might not be exact, but I think in the regular season they've only led at halftime like five times this season. They're always getting themselves in holes. They always find ways to pull games out. They don't look as good as the talent they have. But Russell Wilson is just yeah. he's a he's a gamer. I mean, outside of his stats, 18 to 30, 325 and a touchdown just makes plays when plays need to be made. And that's part of the reason that Seattle was able to pull this out. And spoiler alert, part of the reason why I think they're going to be very competitive in Green Bay, because outside of Lamar Jackson, that guy's the MVP because of the way he He's just he just wins. It, it, it's yeah. a stupid thing to say, but he just wins there. Um, I think that was obviously the, the big difference. You know, it was Russell Wilson, one of the probably three best quarterbacks in the NFL right now for my money versus Josh McCown's last stand. No offense to Josh McCown, but he looked like a 40 year old QB uh, who is a backup. And you mentioned Russell Wilson make plays to uh, Tim. He was their leading rusher yesterday by a mile. They've been decimated by injuries. Uh, Travis Homer had 12 yards on 11 carries and beast mode, though he did have an awesome touchdown, had seven yards on six carries. Uh, and Russell Wilson led the way with 48. So Seattle got nothing on the ground. Fletcher Cox was just annihilating Joey Hunt and DJ Fluker inside uh, for the Eagles. Um, but I think it, it just kind of the whole game, I think, yeah, it's it's Russell Wilson is really good and uh, DK Metcalf is really good, which we can talk to him about him more in a second. And uh, the Eagles are just so banged up like they were going to have a hard enough time, I think, in this game if it was just with Carson Wentz and then he gets knocked out. 
um, with a concussion almost immediately. Um, and so I don't even think Josh McCown was especially bad, but I think just the combination of them not having, you know, Boston Scott is prominently involved and people love telling you how he's like five, five. That's his notable, uh, factoid. Um, I just didn't think the Eagles had enough. And especially once Carson goes out, um, they just didn't have enough. And Russell Wilson was the difference. See, I'm actually going to disagree with you two guys. Uh, I think Seattle just did everything they could to lose this game and, and <laughs> were playing a terrible team and won by eight points. Let me read you the drives that the 40-year-old career backup Josh McCown put up in the second half of this game. First drive, they, get, they drive it easily down to the Seattle uh, six-yard line and then get stopped and kick a field goal on fourth down. The following possession, they get all the way down to the Seattle 20-yard line, kick a field goal. The next time they touched the ball, they got down to the Seattle 24-yard line and stalled on a fourth and four. And then their last drive, they got to the Seattle 10. They had four drives where they got inside the Seattle 25-yard line with a quarterback who couldn't move, basically. I'm pretty sure he like pulled his hamstring yeah, at some point in, in that game. in his leg. For sure. No receivers, tight ends who have lacerated kidneys running over. They shouldn't even be in the game. And Seattle let this terrible team hang around, hang around, hang around, where if two more plays were made in the red zone, the Eagles would have won this game. Uh, if, if, you know, a fourth down is caught, a fourth down play is caught, becomes yeah. a touchdown as opposed to zero points. If that, one of the field goals becomes a touchdown, if one of the fourth down stalls, if they kick a couple of field goals instead of stalling out on fourth down multiple drives, it's an entirely different game. And this is with <laughs> Russell Wilson, Russell uh, Wilson, the MVP, yeah. second you know MVP of the league. I was going to say, watch your mouth. Yeah, almost, almost misspoke. <laughs> and and that the second to last the uh, fourth down stop, uh, not the one where McCown got sacked. I thought that was a really good call, and uh, it was not the, a perfect throw, but it kind of hits Miles Sanders' hand, and you're like, oh, he's got a first down, and he just kind of bounced He did the kind of classic start to run before he fully have it. Uh, but yeah, I thought they had a real good chance to convert that, so you're right. I I think the Seahawks are underratedly banged up, too. Um, Dwayne Brown, their left tackle, didn't play in this game. Um, he's dealing with a knee thing. They obviously had to bring Marshawn Lynch out of retirement because they ran out of running backs. Um, so I think the Seahawks have some of their own issues. But, you know, to your point on the um, the Eagles drives, you know, Bobby Wagner's still there. KJ Wright's still there. They're like one of the best linebacking tandems in recent NFL history. Bobby Wagner probably going to end up in the Hall of Fame. Um and I was I I was actually kind of impressed with Josh McCown. Uh, you know, there were the reports he was really emotional after the game, and I can't blame him. It's probably is one of, if not his last games. He was like coaching uh, high schools, I believe, when they got him out of retirement. So uh, I don't know. It was a strange game. Uh, Kevin Clark of the Ringer has a tweet that will go around every week that says the Seahawks have never played a normal game, and this seemed. They played to the exact same score as their first uh, meeting somehow, um, 17-9 again. Um, but still, to circle back to Tim's point, they got Russell Wilson, so I think they have a chance against a Green Bay team we've talked about not being exactly uh, world beaters. 
Yeah, and we'll, t- we'll talk about that game a little later. Uh, just a, a mention, because Jace briefly mentioned it, but a guy who, it maybe for the first time that I can remember, and, and if I'm missing somebody, would love to hear it at Podlick Raven on Twitter or Instagram. A guy who had a great combine and might have been hurt by it because he just looked like a workout warrior is DK Metcalf. Uh, I think this is kind of his coming out party. We were talking about, <laughs> I, I, it was, I think it was Jace saying, I still believe he would be a bust if the Ravens actually went for him over Hollywood in the first round. Uh, the rookie had seven receptions, 160 yards, and made some massive plays and is becoming Russell's go-to guy. Um, just an absolute athletic freak when you look at him. Wears a pacifier for a mouth guard, which I think <laughs> I think is funny. I, one time somebody's hand's going to get in there and pull it, and his teeth are going to be all messed up. Um, but I, I was very impressed with him, and I really want to see, as somebody who follows a team in the AFC North and doesn't have to worry about the NFC West that much, especially because we just played them. I'll talk to you in four years. <laughs> a guy who I think it will be really, really fun to watch down the line. It's just a general NFL fan. Um, got, got all the weapons and all the tools, obviously. And let's just see if he can put together some of the, the finer points of being an NFL receiver for uh, Russell Wilson. The, the only thing I will say about that, maybe I'm being a homer just because I'm a, a Hollywood fan, but the one thing that bothered me from watching the game was that Collinsworth and Michaels were talking about Metcalf. Obviously, he had an amazing game, and so they were talking about him the whole night. And they kept saying over and over and over again, you know, he was the eighth wide receiver taken. He was the eighth wide receiver taken in the draft. As if that was just like people didn't know this guy existed. He had neck <laughs> surgery, like, in after college that yeah. ended his college career, basically. And that's the reason he was eighth. And it just boggles my mind that these announcers, like, don't have this information. I mean, we've talked about enough announcers this season that we don't love and, and don't agree with. And we'll get to one <laughs> later in the show, by the way. Uh, but that's something you have to know, that that's the reason the guy was drafted so low, because teams are terrified of head injury, neck injury guys coming out of college, and they completely ignored it. But well, the problem is, is Collinsworth wanted to reference his own mock draft, like, a million times, which, by the way, I never knew, as a guy who used to not pay attention in sociology class because I was just reading NFL mock drafts in the spring— <laughs> Never knew Chris Collinsworth had one. I had him seventh. I had him as the seventh player off the board. Okay, we get it, Chris. You got one right. Good for you, man. Uh, Any last comments about this uh, slate of games? Besides, no fear for the Ravens. Uh, All right, so we uh, we tackled what's bothering Jace uh, somewhere at that point when uh, we got a great got a great few minutes out of Mister Evans. So we'll move right along to the random Ravens segment where it is my turn this week. And I've got a guy that I, I think you're going to comfortably get, uh, so I sort of stripped back the, uh, the information on him. I'm not going to give you too, too much, but let's see if you guys can, can come up with my guy this week. So this random Raven was a defensive back always on Baltimore squad, <laughs> Baltimore squad of defensive backs from 2009 to 2011. He started 16 games in 2010, but in 09 and 11 was more of a reserve, started some games and then was a backup for, for the majority of those other two seasons. In the season where he started 16 games in 2010, he led the team with 262 punt return yards and was second in kickoff return yards to the one Lardarius Webb, Raven legend, 
In that 2010 season, this random Raven had 61 tackles and two interceptions. Now, the Ravens are playing Tennessee next week, so of course I themed this to the Tennessee Titans because this player played for the Titans in 2008 before joining the Ravens. He <laughs> he retired. This is a fun factoid, and then I'll sort of give you the last number that that may help. But retired in 2014, and in May of 2017, graduated with a law degree from George Washington University. So go you, random Raven. And the final clue is that this player wore number 25. Arguably Ooh. the worst number for a defensive back to wear in my I, personal opinion. I think opinion. I actually know this. Uh, Perhaps. So I'm, that, ba I'm back on a losing streak already. <laughs> that, that is my random Raven for this week. So, with that, this player who, who played for the Titans for a season, let's talk about him. Let's talk about this Titans team that the Ravens are going to face next Saturday night. Love a night game at the bank. I'm very excited. So before I toss to, uh, to Tim here with just the personal experience of this, this was a rivalry between these two teams. These teams have played a lot. They used to be in the same division way back when it was the AFC Central with the eight teams in that division. <laughs> the Ravens and the Titans have played three times in the postseason, that famed Super Bowl year that a lot of Ravens fans remember and that Titans fans have probably tried to block out of their memory. The Ravens went into Nashville and won 24-10 with the infamous Ray Lewis Eddie George bobble interception that became a touchdown in 2004. And we actually talked about this, I think, last <laughs> week. In 2004, the Titans came to Baltimore, and I watched our poor, poor team lose in overtime 20-17. And then again in 2009, which we referenced earlier in this podcast, the Ravens beat the Titans in Nashville 13-10 in a game where Joe Flacco basically made one good pass to Derek Mason. I think it was like 40 or 50 yards. And then the rest of it was just watching Kerry Collins get demolished by the Ravens' defense. The latest game was last season. Seems like it was five years ago. This was a regular season game where Joe Flacco led the Ravens to a 21-0 win over the Marcus Mariota-led Titans. <laughs> These are two different teams, two different squads. Uh, but I'll toss to Tim first about this history of the rivalry and, and what it means. What it means to you, Tim? I'm taking you back to the AFC Central. I'm taking you back when, if you are anywhere of our ages, anywhere from 26, 28, 30, in, in that sort of range, you grew up on hating the Tennessee Titans and Jeff Fisher and his stupid sunglasses and Eddie George. Always talking about how he was a better player than Ray Lewis was. And talking so much ish to the Baltimore Ravens every single time. I'm taking you back to the days of when the Jacksonville Jaguars were in our division. That's weird. I'm taking you back to when the Houston Oilers moved to Tennessee, became the Titans, got these colors. And in that 2000 season, they had, they had, they had done the impossible. They went to the Super Bowl in 99. Became so, so close to winning it. Obviously, the Rams and Kurt Warner winning that Super Bowl. And now the Titans were the talk of the town. Everybody loved the Titans. Air McNair, may he rest in peace. Eddie George. All these guys that they've got. Javon Curse. Hated Javon Curse. Hated. The freak. I hated the freak. Freak was a good term, by the way. <laughs> no. Great nickname. We didn't name him the freak. No. The <laughs> Baltimore Ravens go into Tennessee in the regular season. 
and beat the, I believe, previously undefeated Titans. Already one of the best teams in the NFL. I can't remember if they're undefeated or not. Jeff Fisher steals our playbook for the play. This this is all documented, by the way. You can go to NFL Network, America's Game, the 2000 Baltimore Ravens. By the way, spoiler alert, they won the Super Bowl that year. (laughs) And listen to this whole thing. The first 15 plays are usually scripted for an offense, and the Titans knew it was coming because Trent Dilfer, the doofus, left his playbook in the locker room. They couldn't find it after the game because an equipment manager or somebody like that had taken it. And they knew it was coming in the playoff game. But it didn't matter because Eddie George on these high and mighty Tennessee Titans talking about how they're the talk of the town. This is the team to beat. Nobody thinks about the Ravens. They've got Trent Dilfer a quarterback, which was a valid point. Air McNair throws a beautiful pass to Eddie George. And in those massive shoulder pads, they need to shrink them down, man. Hits him right on the shoulder pad. And guess what? The greatest defensive player of all time outside of Ed Reed grabs the ball, <laughs> sprints down the sidelines. And in his own words, because this fan base of arrogant, arrogant people who thought that they deserved anything after coming an inch from winning the Super Bowl the previous season. Fell silent. And as Ray goes, I could not hear a sound. He throws the finger up to his face mask, tells them all to go home. And boy, I tell you, before the Pittsburgh days, before Heinz Ward, before Haloti Nada breaking Big Ben's nose, before Jared Johnson cleaning Heinz Ward's clock, leading to an Ed Reed interception, before any of those beautiful, beautiful moments, we had the Tennessee (laughs) Titans. Ladies and gentlemen, if if you're on this bandwagon now, if you're a new Ravens fan, or if you're somebody that maybe is a little younger, you don't you only remember the AFC North days. You don't remember the AFC Central days. Get the feeling that you have for the Pittsburgh Steelers, the New England Patriots, this year's version of the Cleveland Browns, and turn that focus to Tennessee. Because that is what it was, and that is what we need this weekend from every fan at the stadium, every fan watching the game, listening on the radio getting messages from doves back and forth about the play-by-play, whatever you're doing, this is what we need from the fans because it, this was I – I had a checker set when I was a kid. My parents got me – and Antonio's looking at me like I'm nuts because I am. <laughs> for Christmas, I got a checker set and it was Ravens helmets and they had a rivalry helmet and then they had these for all the NFL teams. It wasn't the Pittsburgh Steelers on there. It was the Tennessee Titans. That was the rival uh, – like the, the white checker to the black checker that the Ravens helmet was. This is a real thing. There is still animosity for this team. And although it's faded because we don't play them as often, I will never forget those days in my formative years as a Baltimore Ravens fan remembering to hate the Titans. So I ask you, please hate (laughs) the Titans. Boy, uh, with that talk, I think it's Ravens by 50. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I'm fired up. (laughs) You know, Tim, I'm going to offer a quick my quick preview of this and then I'm going to toss to Jace over here for some actual X's and O's but <laughs> you mentioned a checker set and that's sort of how I view this game uh, and I'm just going to I'm going to slam Tennessee right now and I love that they beat the Pats but I think Tennessee plays checkers that's what I think I think their formula is they're going to give it to their big bad running back Derrick Henry 30 times if they can they did it against New England he had 34 carries they're going to give it to him and they're playing checkers. The Ravens, you know what they play, Tim? They play chess. Oh. 
They play chess. Much more sophisticated. I thought you were going to say backgammon. No. Never played backgammon. Don't know how to play it. They play chess. A lot more sophisticated. A lot more emotion. A lot more talent. A lot more different skill sets. And just way more playmakers on the field. We're going to get into, you know, predictions and all that, but I I got a lot of texts from, from you two, uh, from high school friends, from family members, nervous about this game, that Derrick Henry's going to, you know, run all over us and that it's going to be a close game. After that talk, and, and after the thoughts that I had coming into this week, I think the Ravens play chess, and I think they win this game convincingly. Jace, let's get to the actual X and, X's and O's, though, because I know you're the, you're the stack guy here. We're going to break this down, uh, offense and defense, so let's start... Titans offense versus Ravens defense. What do you like or dislike there? Yeah, it's we've said it all day. It starts with Derrick Henry for them. He was the NFL's leading rusher. Um, big guy, huge guy, really hard to take down over it's about 6'2", 250 plus easily. Uh, very strong, but the Ravens are pretty good against the run. Uh, for a number of reasons. And I think you kind of have to talk about offense when you talk about defense. So we'll kind of mix and match these. But yeah, so like you said, the Titans want to run and why it worked was the game was one score the entire time. I don't know if the Titans defense is good enough to effectively eliminate the Ravens offense. And if they can't do that, then I think the concern of Derrick Henry decreases dramatically because you're not going to have to, they're not going to be able to run if they're down by 14 or if they do that's a win for the Ravens if he rushes for four yards on first and 10 and they're up 14 great that's 40 seconds off the clock and you're closer to the end of the game so I think it comes down to that um The Ravens do have a good rush defense overall. They're 93.4 yards per game, but they actually gave up, give up uh, on average more per rush than the Titans do. But that just means teams are running on the Titans a lot, perhaps because they're up. Uh, (laughs) They have more total yards against and teams can't run on the Ravens as much because they're almost always down. And I think that obviously plays into the Ravens hands, because as we said, um, the Titans quarterback is Ryan Tannehill, and he threw for 72 yards in his uh, playoff debut. Um, he does not scare me. Perhaps he should. He served up an interception in this game. I think um, if they're able to. I, so I think that's what it comes down to. I think it's less Derrick Henry and more just the Ravens offense being able to execute against the Titans, because if they fall behind. I think you just mitigate the um, the concern of Derrick Henry um, and the Titans are in the bottom bottom half of total defense. They're uh, passing defense actually a little worse. Um, so perhaps this is a game we know we've talked about Hollywood, maybe getting him into the mix over the top a little more um, in terms of, I guess, specific people back to the Titans offense that scare me. Uh, the. Um, Patriots took him out, but A.J. Brown was another very good rookie receiver. Um, pretty much him and D.K. Metcalf led in most receiving categories. But he's kind of the guy. Corey Davis is very talented, but he's kind of had a so-so season. The tight ends don't scare me for the Titans. Maybe they should. Ben Ferkser busted loose there. But I don't know. I think it just comes back to what the Ravens do with Lamar. Because if they execute... I think Derrick Henry is a non-issue, pretty much. 
Yeah, I I think a lot of my nervousness comes from the fact that it's been it's when they kick off it'll be almost three weeks since we've seen the first team play, obviously with the week off and, and playing kind of a B side that still beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. Don't ever forget that. <laughs> if they if there's no rust on that offense, I'm feeling I'm feeling a lot better about this game after the first quarter if everything looks normal. If they start slow, then I progressively get more nervous because then the Titans, as Jay said, can kind of fall back to their game plan of, hey, we're going to control the clock. I mean, what do we say? If you remember all the way back when we previewed the game against Kansas City and previewed the game against New England before we realized they were crap. <laughs> Keep those quarterbacks off the field. Control the clock. Play your game. Establish the run. Make sure they can't stop it and you'll be fine. And the Ravens have done that all year. And Tennessee, obviously with the, the leading rusher in the NFL, Derrick Henry, has done that as well. The most important, this sounds stupid, but the most important player in this game is Lamar Jackson. If he's able to shake off whatever rust it is, and, the, and you can talk about the rest versus rust argument, it's already happened. There's no point in discussing it anymore. If he comes back and looks like the guy we've seen all year, over. Blouses at halftime. I mean, I don't, they're not going to be able to keep up with us. Go back to Nashville. That that's it. But that's my concern with him too, uh, Tim. Is and I was thinking about this uh, yesterday a little bit as the kind of matchup came into focus. Um, but just we've seen him throw go high on passes a little bit sometimes, especially at the beginnings of big games. Um, and. I, I think he's probably put a lot of pressure on himself. He's talked all offseason about having to prove things after his last playoff game, which I still blame Marty Morning way more than I think most people. But I digress. Um, they do have a lot to prove. And I think he if he's too keyed up he and throwing high, that could be a concern. But I think if they just stick with what works, the Titans are a good team. They also went nine and seven. So they're not a perfect team by any means. Uh um, even though I know they're a lot different since Tannehill took over for Mariota, but it's Ryan Tannehill. You know, he's not, again, he threw for 72 yards against the Patriots. He's not, quarterbacks matter and quarterbacks win in the playoffs. And, uh, if the Ravens do what they have done all year, Tannehill shouldn't be able to keep up. Yeah. I think another thing we talk about too, and this is something that Antonio has referenced, uh, um, a lot of the time and talking about those games against AFC North opponents later in the year, he was very interested in seeing how a team approached Lamar the second time. Well, this is the first time for Tennessee and you can put Mariota in as your scout team guy all you want. He ain't Lamar Jackson. You're not going to be able to prepare for what this guy can bring to an NFL football field. And we've seen a number of times thinking you can catch up with him, taking a bad angle because you don't realize how fast he is underestimating his ability to throw. I think the fact and Tennessee, I didn't want to see Tennessee because of Derrick Henry. And it's weird. This is like, it's like a therapy session for me. The more we talk about it, the more comfortable I am with this opponent. I think that's one of the biggest factors, Houston and or Buffalo, whoever it would have been in that scenario had new England a one would have seen the Lamar before and maybe would have been able to adjust because of what they saw in front of them. Tennessee doesn't have that luxury. And I think that might really come back to hurt them in this game. Yeah, I mean, defensively, from the Ravens' point of view, you put eight in the box, 
you play man to man for the with the receivers. You let Earl Thomas do his work in the middle, and make Derrick Henry beat you over and over. I mean, to the point where he has to get twenty yards a carry. Not you know, not four or five yards, Jace, as you mentioned, and just slow the game down. On offense, they haven't seen this team. They haven't seen the speed. Think of the team they just went against. Think of the offense they just went against. It was almost the inverse of, of what this team is. An immobile, slow quarterback with receivers who can't make plays. I mean, this is the, yeah. uh, the exact opposite offense. I think they're going to have and, no idea. Uh, and not an especially good team at running the ball either. Like, the Patriots didn't do anything well. So when you look at it, you know, when you take a breath about the, the fall of the Patriots dynasty— this was such a nice matchup for the Titans. But even if, they t- even if they get the ball first and run the ball down the field and score a touchdown, give a few offensive possessions, let the Ravens do those 12, 13, 14 play drives, uh, Tennessee's going to get winded over time. They're not going to be able to keep this team under 20 points. And the Titans had the best game they could have possibly had on the road and had 14 points, and it was 14 to 13 and arguably could have lost that game, even though everything had gone, you know, had fallen their way, so to speak. I don't think, I think that was their magic moment. I just don't think they have enough talent. I don't think they make enough plays. Uh, And I think the Ravens are are more, you know, the rest versus Russ will will never stop that debate, but I see them as much just rest on the side. You know, they had a couple of guys who were starting to get banged up as the season ended. We still have to see just where Ingram is. That's still a question mark. He's slated to start, but, you know, is he 80%? Is he 90%? Does he play three snaps and then re-injure, you know, re-aggravate the injury and come out of the game? But even with that, guess what? Gus Bus comes in and the same exact offense uh, gets gets played. So I, I see this team, I see this Ravens offense just dictating. No way they score under 20 points and just outscore the Titans over, over 60 minutes. Yeah, and a quick thing just to mention if we haven't, um, the Ravens' bread and butter starts with running the football, like you just mentioned. Titans are 21st overall in rush defense, and that's a team that even early in the year with Mariota especially, I should say, had to come back in some games or or had to stop the run to come back and put their offense back out on the field and still rank 21st overall. So this sounds stupid, but do what you do, Baltimore. And New England did pretty well on the ground. Yeah. They're a team that struggles on the ground. Enough complaints about Sonny Michel. He averaged 4.4 yards a carry. James White had one carry for for double-digit yards. That was the one thing that they were kind of able to get. They averaged 4.5 yards against the Titans over the course of the game. Just more of the same. That's the weak spot, and that's what the Ravens do well. I mean, I just just think it's too much. With that, look, I'm going to jump right into it. With that, I have the Ravens at home covering the nine points. I think they win this game by double digits. I think they score early. I think they score again, uh, and it sort of takes Tennessee out of their game plan. Your guys' thoughts on this pick before we get into uh, the other games? Well, I remain a Ravens pessimist, uh, even despite um, seemingly expressing no real concern during that preview breakdown. So I went with Titans plus nine. (laughs) I I will say, uh, I was thinking about this. You said you wanted to play the Patriots again. I am absolutely fine not playing the Patriots again. If the Patriots ended this Ravens season, uh, I would have been absolutely heartbroken as it stands. If the Ravens happen to be eliminated by any of the remaining teams, I don't think I'll be too upset, but I'm still going with the plus nine, just that (laughs) double digits. Lamar going for his first playoff win. I think it's a lot of pressure. So I went with 
the Titans covering. I still think the Ravens win, but probably by like seven. I'll, I'll be incredibly upset whenever if they lose. It doesn't matter when the Ravens lose. I'm incredibly upset. So and I know that's the same for you. So I don't want to hear this whole I won't be that upset with If if that happens, God forbid, the podcast after is going to be just a barn De- degrees burner. of upset. I yes. Guess. <laughs> in the, fair enough. And I agree with you on the Pat's point. But look, I've been team Jace pessimism. That's that's kind of where I live in the Baltimore space. I'm starting to move to team Antonio. And I believe in, I it, it feels pretty good. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm going to be shaking until 8.15 on Saturday night. I'm already shaking, and it's Monday as we record this. But I'm going Ravens uh, minus nine. I think they get out early, and I think they kind of – as long as they get out to an early lead and dictate the the way this game is going, the Titans aren't going to touch them. And I think they move on to uh, the AFC Conference Championship game. Um, With that as well, I guess we're moving on to our other picks here. Uh, we want to start in the NFC. San Francisco, minus seven. Uh, they're favored by seven points against the Vikings. Vikings had a hell of a performance, but you talk about the Titans having their best game. I think the Vikings had their best game against New Orleans. So give me Sam Fran. I think another team that that dictates the pace of play by running the ball, having a very, very good tight end, and playing defense isn't going to have that rust effect as much, just in my opinion. So I'll take San Fran minus seven versus the Vikings. Um, Houston, getting nine and a half points at the Chiefs. I'm going to say two words. The only reason I'm taking Houston here, not to win. I think the Chiefs are going to win. I think Houston covers because of Andy Reid, dot, (laughs) dot. Now he comes good. He's very good off buys, but I think there could be some wacky clock mismanagement stuff at some point in this game. Allowing Houston to sneak into it. Watson does something crazy. I mean, Watson Mahomes is must-watch television. Uh, I'm excited for that game as a, well, hopefully as someone with a rooting interest in terms of who the Ravens get to play in the next round. We'll see. Uh, at, at worst, a neutral. And then last one there, Green Bay are a four-point favorite at Lambeau. Seattle, we talked about them before, a very weird year. But give me Seattle plus four, and I would take Seattle – to win this game. I think there's something about this Seahawks team. And I know you love green Bay, Jace. I know you love Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers is, is great, but outside of outside of him and maybe Aaron Jones, the running back, there's just something wrong with that green Bay team. I think that's a team that could really suffer from the week off. And then all of a sudden they're coming with a team that has a little bit of momentum. You know, they've, they've figured out a way to win in a tough Philly environment. They're not scared of anybody anymore. Russell Wilson makes a few weird plays, uh, or, or key plays, I should say. So with give me Seattle and the points, and I think, you know, just hand up, I think the victory as well. So um, I went uh, San Francisco minus uh, seven as well. I, I completely agree with you, Tim. I think this is kind of, kind of the same reason we were talking about the Vikings, I think, the uh, or uh, when we were talking about the Titans beating the Patriots. I think the Vikings kind of gave it their best shot. A really hard game in the Superdome. It's hard to, I think, replicate that against another really good team um, in the 49ers. So I picked the 49ers there. Um, I, I, too, also went with Houston covering the nine and a half. Um, they won there already this season, like outright won the game. So I wouldn't I still think the Chiefs win this one. But I think um, I certainly think um the Texans have the ability to cover a spread that big. They held the ball for almost 40 minutes in their first matchup. Now chiefs defense has changed a little bit, but I'm still picking the cover there. Um, and then, 
I, um, I, you called me on it. I am taking the Packers to <laughs> cover against the Seahawks. I, um, I don't think the Packers are great, but I also don't think the Seahawks are great. And I am just going to go with it's hard to play on the road in Lambeau. It's certainly going to be cold there. Uh, and, um, you know, the Packers have had some really bad losses to the Seahawks over the years. And I think they might be viewing this as a payback opportunity. Finally, you know, playing um, back in Lambeau, uh, probably their first playoff game uh, between them since Brett Favre was stumbling around the field, throwing underhand in that snow game against the Seahawks uh, in the playoffs all those years ago. So I'm going with the Packers. I just outside of Russell Wilson, I don't trust the rest of the Seahawks, really. Um but uh, yeah, so those are my picks. The top two seeds in the NFL in the past few seasons have dominated in terms of going, you know, advancing to the championship games of their conferences and then going to the Super Bowl. So that's sort of what I'm riding with in most of my picks here. Uh, Minnesota, I think they had their moment. I think you like that has been consistently inconsistent all season. So he has a big game on the road. Now he's going to struggle on the road against a better defense, uh, better coaching staff in San Francisco. I think they win that comfortably. I have them covering the seven points. Houston, however, nine and a half points at Kansas City for what you both have said. I think Houston can can make a little noise there. I think Andy Reid can screw things up <laughs> as he has over and over and over again in the postseason with good teams. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be rooting for those Texans. I tell you what, would love to see them come uh, come into Baltimore in an AFC Championship game as opposed to Patrick Mahomes. Uh, and even in the, if this game is 14 points, I think Houston can sneak that late touchdown to cover the spread. And Seattle, I it, you know the thoughts are what I thought about them against the Eagles. They played a bad team that they couldn't put away. Now they play a good team that plays really well at home. Uh, and I think Aaron Rodgers takes control of that game. I think they cover that spread um, pretty well. Uh, I think they take a lead and, and hang on to it. And I, Pete Carroll has also made his own <laughs> mistakes, you know, in the playoffs. And we're not going to mention any specifics. But so those are my <laughs> picks, and I, I think we have. Uh, I think it's possible that we have one verse two and one verse two uh, in the last two rounds here. But Houston's gonna 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 cover that nine and a half. So those are my picks. Guys, any last quick thoughts on the Ravens? I, I know the bank is going to be rocking. I am stoked to see a second round matchup at night, a little night game Saturday night. Well, we might have undersold that, I think, as another reason why I think the Ravens will win. That's going to be a hard place to play. You know, we uh, night home playoff game. It's been a very long time since we had that. Only, I believe, two buys in Ravens history. Um this is certainly, I think, their best team, obviously, in franchise history. So I think it's going to be a fun environment, and I think that's going to make it really hard for the Titans. Just just don't have a letdown. <laughs> Tim already stressed out. I'm already stressed you, out. You were leaning. You were so comfortable there I for a few minutes. It's, it's, so you're back, you're just, back off. It feels too weird. Just You talk about the two buys, both of those seasons. Different teams, Tim. Different I, quarterbacks, I know, different coaches. The only two times we've won Super Bowls are, are with wild card berths. So... Just please don't let us down, Ravens. I've been seeing this go around the Ravens Twitter and Ravens Reddit and things like that, and I completely agree with this. Of It sounds stupid, but Ravens fans stay humble. Like, 
we have been the underdog in a number of cases. We have been the team that nobody gave a shot against some some powerhouse who has dominated the league. And we've gone in there and we've upset teams a number of times. Do not let yourself become the enemy in that case. Come out strong. I think this team is focused. I believe in the leadership. I believe in the players. I, be, uh, I believe in everything that we've seen that it's going to continue. But that little thing in the back of my head is just screaming, do not let us down, please. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. Go Ravens. And, yeah, I agree with both of you as well. The bank is going to be rocking on Saturday night. Ravens, Lamar, Harbaugh, please do it for Tim. For Tim. For Tim's heart. Uh, oh, that's shot. <laughs> don't let us down. Just take care of business. Play your game. You've been doing it for, for three months, basically. Uh, historically now one, one of the best teams in the NFL. Just do you, and, and we'll be talking about this, this win uh, next week. And four, pod like a raven. An anxious but, but excited bunch. I think you're forgetting the random raven, bud. Oh, oh that's right. That's right. Surprise! We have one thing left. The rest of the, I'm, too, I'm, I'm jacked up now, Tim. I'm ready for this game on Saturday. But first, we do have to answer the random Raven. I'll run through these clues quickly. He played defensive back for the Ravens from 2009 to 2011. Started all 16 games in 2010. In that season, he led the team with 262 punt return yards. He was second in kick return yards to fan favorite Lardarius Webb. He had 61 tackles, two interceptions that season. He previously played for the rival Tennessee Titans in 2008. He retired in 2014, got a nice law degree from George Washington, and he wore number 25. So I don't know which one of you wants to take this. We'll, we'll turn to Tim here for the random rating. Yeah, I'll go first because I'm not nearly as confident um, in my pick. I, first of all, if you're going to do a random Raven that's a former Titan, why don't you do like Samari Roll? That would have been great. I love Samari Roll. That's who I thought it was for a bit, but I think, yeah, it can't I be him. He think, was there too long. I think it is Chris Carr. I that think. is who I wrote down as well, so I hope it is Chris Carr. <laughs> it is Chris Carr. Oh, hey! Chris <laughs> Carr is the random raven this week. Almost picked him uh, a few turns ago. Uh and then just sort of shelved him, but I thought he was a good guy to bring up as a... Randomly, you talk about random Ravens, a guy I have always known was on the Titans before he came to the Ravens. Don't ask me why, so time to bring that guy <laughs> up. And uh, good luck with the law degree, Chris. Uh, you were a, a loved random Raven. Yeah, by the way, Chris Carr is the fifth defensive back on I was our... Say, we're stacking DBs here. Playing the pass. <laughs> on our random Ravens team, and clearly, clearly the nickelback. Clearly the guy that's not going to be on the field as much when you compare to these other guys that we've got uh, on this team so far. Dewan Landry, Jim Leonard, Kerry Williams, and uh, Will Demps. A lot of safeties. So I guess he would have to play because you need a corner. But oof, we need to get like a Chris McAllister in there or something. I know he's not random, but this Ravens team is kind of vulnerable back on the back end. Fascinating. Uh, we just keep selecting guys who played next to Ed Reed. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Weird, right? So it's almost like I've, he elevated them or something. Now that I've uh, actually gone through the random Raven, I'll say it one more time because I, now I'm getting a little nervous myself. But you know what, Ravens, you're 14 and two. I, I believe in you. I believed in you all season. Jacked up for that game. We will be excited to bring you that recap next week for Tim Horsey and Jay Sevens. I am Antonio Barbera. The pod like a Raven. See you next week.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.